your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. It's the boring monologue on Inside the Gamecocks, the show, or Inside the Gamecocks podcast, presented exclusively by Carolina Rise. I'm J.C. Sherbert. Good morning, everyone. It is Monday, August 22nd, so this is a uh, game week in college football. Uh, the week zero teams uh, kick off this weekend, and the Gamecocks and everybody else get started next weekend, which is Labor Day weekend, so I know everybody's excited. Uh, this weekend, Vanderbilt and Charlotte are the two Carolina opponents that take the field. Charlotte's playing Florida Atlantic. Vandy's going to Hawaii. So be sure to check out those two teams. I think Northwestern Nebraska over in Dublin uh, is probably the highlight of the weekend, a Big Ten matchup. And that's uh, certainly going to be interesting. Uh, Nebraska's a big favorite. I think Ryan Halinski is going to be starting for Northwestern. Uh, so there's another reason to tune in <laughs> to some football uh, this coming weekend. I don't know about you. I'm tired of watching NFL preseason already. Uh, I'm ready for some real football action uh, to take place. Gamecocks uh, finished up. They're scrimmaging. And uh, a lot of times you have three. But the last one's normally more, I mean, it's less competitive. The, the second one's when it's, that's really the one where I guess depth charts start being decided. Starters, rotations, who's going to play special teams, that type of thing. It's a big evaluation time uh, for the coaches and uh, along with the first one. And we're going to talk a lot about that uh, heading into the show or heading into the show on the show later today with Phil and I. Uh, John Whittle is one of our guests today. We'll talk about that. Baseball, Monty Lee has a press conference uh, later today. I'm really curious to see what he has to say about coming back to South Carolina uh, on the baseball diamond. Uh, but with this scrimmage, you, you know, you, you talk to different people. Uh, they're closed, but, you know, you, you have people that you talk to that are in. And you, you know, when you're reporting on something like this, you don't really give away company secrets or top secret information or anything like that. I mean, nobody's out there sketching out the plays from the playbook and photocopying them and sending them to Sean Elliott and Sam Pittman and, and Kirby Smart. You know, that, that's not happening. But uh, um, an interesting angle based on the intel I got from the scrimmage, and, and I talked to two or three different people, Xavier Short from Chapin, uh, freshman, Local guy, late pickup, flipped him from App State. Uh, everybody I talked to said he had a heck of a scrimmage. Just like, boom, Xavier's short. So what does that mean? Does that mean Xavier's going to play a lot this year? I don't know. Uh, does that mean he's got a bright future? I don't know. It's one scrimmage. Uh, but but I think collectively, uh, I started thinking about it. And, you know, South Carolina signed, what, five in-state guys in the 2022 class uh, in state, I, the, the in state group I felt was uh, developmental. You know, you, you had guys with upside uh, that I thought probably would take, you know, some time. Uh, Xavier Short among them. Uh, Xavier Short, Kyle Horton, Nick Emanuare, Demetrius Watson. I believe there's one more. Yeah, DeAndre Smith, uh, DQ, DQ Smith is what they call him from Spring Valley. But at different points of that, now I haven't heard, I'll be honest, and this does not mean he's not uh, a kid with upside, but Demetrius Watson is not a name I've really heard 
Uh, but you guys know D tackle. We've talked about it over and over again. You have the the two starters, uh, whoever those end up being, probably Pickens and Huntley, maybe Pickens and Webb. Uh, and then you got Tonka Hemingway behind them, who's playing playing pretty well. Uh, and then T.J. Sanders and Nick Barrett, who have been sort of the talk of camp for a while since the spring. Uh, and then you brought in Felix Hickson and DeAndre Martin and Jamal Weish and Demetrius Watson. So, so the point is, is the D tackle right now uh, is pretty. You know, there's a lot of guys of significance, uh, both young and older. Uh, at that position currently. And, of course, the Gamecocks added to that with Xavier McLeod committing uh, and then uh, Handy committing uh, over this. Uh, Handy or sent uh, – why did the Hardy – Hardy <laughs> – uh, committing on uh, Sunday. Uh, so you got um, a lot of guys at that spot. Uh, yeah, Xavion Hardy, my bad. Handy Hardy. <laughs> it gets confusing sometimes, folks. If I don't have it in front of me, which I probably should. So um, that's the deal with the scrimmage. Uh, I mean, sorry, back to the, the in-state guys. Okay, so you look at those guys, and very few of them were what I would call highly ranked. I think on three or somebody – uh, took a flyer on him and Warre as a four-star. You know, Horton played eight-man football. Smith was a, a guy that was going to – gray shirt that was a converted quarterback. And then Xavier Short, like I said, they flipped him from app. And then Watson uh, was a guy that came to camp, ran four six nine at his size and, and sort of a no-brainer upside-wise out of Fort Dorchester. Um, so I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Uh, we're in a time right now where the state of South Carolina doesn't necessarily always have the deep blue chip classes, right? Uh, it's a lot less blue chipper wise uh, than it was maybe when I covered the state or Ryan Bartow covered the state for for Tiger Illustrated and Rivals and then with uh, us at 24-7 Sports as kind of the guy. Um, and I, I – I, I think there's a lot of reasons for for that uh, in terms of the lack of, you know, and I'm not saying these guys don't don't dig in and and evaluate the state well. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, there's a lot of times where, you know, you don't really have a whole lot of momentum, you know, behind the scenes and in terms of, uh, you know, this guy's a stud, look at him, you know, because the offer lists are usually not in depth. And that does matter. Um, you know, not everybody's going to camps and stuff. And, uh, you know, him and Warrior just came, him and Warrior and Horton were, uh, and Watson too were all camp guys. Uh, you know, they got on Smith early, actually, uh, from Spring Valley. And it just worked out because he decided, hey, I'll play DB at Carolina instead of quarterback someplace else. And uh, so you keep going all down. And it's like, well, these guys are, uh, there weren't as many known guys in the state last cycle uh, that Carolina really got in on, you know, Antonio Williams was obviously that we don't need to talk about that over and over. Uh, but my point is, you know, based on the early returns on these players, you know, you, you have to kind of go, Hey, you know, it's probably not a bad deal to recruit the state, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and the staff has, um, because you just never know. I mean, there's a big long line uh, if you look at the NFL draft 
numbers uh, of in-state guys that have gone to, you know, Carolina, Clemson, you name it, uh, that weren't highly recruited, that are highly rated, you know, three stars or less that end up playing in the National Football League, getting drafted, making a living playing this game. So, you know, I I think that the, the message here is with in-state players, give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, that's uh, uh, that's the lesson. Because for, for the life of me, uh, out of everyone that I thought would have been, you know, a standout in the scrimmage, Xavier Short's name is just not one I've heard. You know, I've heard Horton's made some big plays and, and flashed here and there. I've heard, you know, obviously Emanuari is probably going to be in the two deep uh, and is playing really well. And then, um, you know, DQ Smith's a guy I heard about early on. I think Clayton White actually mentioned him or Torian Gray. Uh, he's very physical. Um, kind of player comparison to him, uh, to me, was Corey Jenkins in terms of uh, when Corey played defense, when they moved him to the other side of the ball late in the Holtz era. And then, of course, in the NFL, he played that. So, you know, I don't think any of this is, has come as a surprise to me. I just didn't expect to maybe hear it this early just because, you know, it, it's impossible you know, for people that watch practice or observe scrimmages to, to list every single person on the roster and give an update. I wish you could. Wish you could. It's impossible, though. You'd have to have maybe like a team of 10 people out there, each group watching a position. And, and, and you know, and it's not open to begin with. So, you know, it's not like the media uh, or anybody like us could just sit up there and rock and roll. So that's uh, that's that's the good news coming out of the scrimmage. I think once you heard the Xavier's short information, uh, and this was from two different contacts. Uh, you know, that's, that's yet another in-state guy in the 2022 class that's uh, playing well so far in camp. And uh, I think you, you really need to credit Taylor Edwards, Shane Beamer, uh, Eric Kimry, who's no longer at South Carolina, uh, had a lot to do with short and, and DQ late, you know, and uh, I think – there's always been sort of a determination since Beamer got back to Carolina, you know, to make sure you don't miss anybody in state, you know, cause that's, it's not so much how many you sign in state that you're going to kind of be judged on. Uh, I think with recruiting uh, it's when you start missing on players within the state and they go elsewhere and get you <laughs> like the, the defensive end at Irmo. I mean, from Irmo. Uh, Trey John Jeffcoat, who's at Missouri now, <laughs> and uh, all SEC, you know, during the pandemic here. So, uh, you know, there's a guy that went to a division opponent when you play every year that you didn't offer that would have probably crawled on his belly through glass to come to South Carolina. And that's a loss. Um, and look, I'm not saying it's never going to happen either. I mean, I, I think there's probably in a couple of years, there'll be a guy that go someplace else that you weren't the staff passes on that ends up playing good. You just want to limit it. You want to make sure that, that you're not missing guys that can help. Um, and when they took short last year, I think I mentioned that. I was like, this is the guy that you turn on App State on Thursday night or Wednesday night or whatever, and they're, they're playing Louisiana, and this guy's got eight catches for 116 yards. <laughs> and you're going, Wow. <laughs> Where, why didn't they offer this guy? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, look, they're all at different levels. Like I said, I don't know how much Short's going to play this year. I don't know. Uh, I would imagine Horton is still probably adjusting. I mentioned him in Warre, and then Watson's kind of behind a lot of guys. But uh, 
And then Smith, too. You know, Smith, I could see sneaking on some special teams. Maybe, maybe, heck, maybe it, it, the, the situation at safety, you know, you need depth. So, hey, hell, he may end up playing a bunch, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, who knows with that one? But, uh, you know, I, I wanted to pass that along and sort of uh, here on the morning monologue scope it in terms of um, why it's just a great idea to recruit well in the state and not just the four and five star guys. Um, you know, obviously last week getting Xavier McLeod was a, a big deal in terms of when you look at the top prospects, uh, because you have Montague Rames, you have Xavier McLeod, uh, Marky Anderson, all our Gamecocks. By the way, Rames has transferred uh, to uh, to um, uh, Banning High School, who, uh, you know, from Sumter. Um, and my understanding is he's planning on enrolling early at South Carolina. And so that's a good thing as far as getting him in because uh, you never know who all they're going to lose on the edge this year. And it's obviously a need behind, you know, the two perceived starters. Uh, you need some more guys. Uh, and Rain should come in and play early if he's ready. So uh, that's a good deal there. Um, the other commitment this past weekend, Xavion Hardy. You know, here's a player that uh, there was some question about his grades, all that. Didn't know if they are going to take him and then, all of a sudden they're taking him and uh, my understanding is they're going to kind of, you know, see if they can work with him. And, you know, it's not totally out of the question that he makes it in academically. Six, five, 280 pound guy uh, length could, could play some edge probably is a tackle at the end, depending on how big he gets um, big play, a big time player out of Georgia, you know, four star guy. Uh, and so you, you sort of start looking at it now uh, and the Gamecocks now have seven players from Georgia uh, in this class and the most out of every state. And, you know, I always say I'm always hesitant when you recruit Georgia, right? I'm always, uh, you know, hey, you got to make sure you get the right ones. And because uh, this happened around here before, you've had some Georgia heavy classes and, you know, half of them get to campus and they can't play dead in the movie. And that was more during the Spurrier era, I thought, and I've said many times, I think the Muschamp staff did a good job of identifying the right guys in that state and being more selective. Uh, and I think this staff's continued that. Because you look at it, Xavion Hardy, you know, big four-star D lineman uh, out of Macon. Dontavius Braswell out of uh, Sandersville, Washington County. Track star, running back, four-star guy. Uh, Trovon Ball, you know, you, you talk about Arkansas and, you know, Sam Pittman and what he does on the O-line, the Gamecocks beat the hint, the, the Razorbacks on this guy, uh, 6'4", super athletic, out of Pace Academy. I, I've gone on and on about Jalon Kilgore and how he should be a four-star prospect and an elite safety. He beat Clemson, Oklahoma on him. You know, C.J. Adams is sort of an evaluation, more of a basketball player for a lot of his career. And, you know, I turn on the film, though, and, you know, this guy's doing big things for Pebble Brook High School. Uh, also is a basketball player, probably uh, is one of those guys that kind of like that wide back position that uh, Jaheim Bell is going to play this year. Uh, they got Vakari Swain last week, who's very, very fast and plays like it. Uh, and then the the lowest ranked guy is Jatavia Shivers, uh, who's a 6'7", 290-pound uh, athletic guy on the offensive line. Here's the other interesting part about uh this this group from Georgia um really Adams and Ball are the only greater Atlanta kids 
you know, and it kind of just depends on how far you want to stretch the Atlanta Metro. Uh, do you stretch it out to Carrollton and Villa Rica going out I-20? Uh, to me, that's not – I mean, that, that's a little bit beyond Atlanta, you know. Um, and so five of the seven are from other Georgia, <laughs> you know, not the Atlanta area. Uh, and I think that's interesting because I, I think that when you're looking for players that that, that, that you could get – and I, you know, I say under the radar, I mean, you know, you, you got three, four-star guys and then one that should be uh, listed among the seven – but, uh, you know, when you get outside of Atlanta, there's not as much foot traffic from the recruiters. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of coaches that do recruit it. Um, but, you, you know, I've, I've found kind of the bust factor is a little bit less when you're talking about schools that are not uh, in the Atlanta metro. That's not to say you don't take guys from the metro. That's not to say you stay away from them uh, because you definitely don't. Uh, but I, I kind of like the non-Atlanta Georgia guys. Yeah. And it's another interesting part of it is I think th- there's not a lot of South Georgia. It's, it's Macon and Sandersville, kind of that, and Edenton. That's middle, the middle of Georgia, um, you know, and uh, I think that's pretty interesting as well when you kind of break it all down. Georgia is always going to be a very important state for South Carolina to recruit. If you think about, who all has come from Georgia over the years, some of the best players in the history of the program, the most noteworthy guys in the history of the program have come from that state. Everybody from Dan Reeves to Connor Shaw to Sterling Sharp to George Rogers. I mean, the state of Georgia has been very, very good to South Carolina uh, through the years and, uh, you know, continues to be. You, you look last year's three draft picks, um, Kevin Harris, Georgia kid. Uh, you know, Kingsley Enigbare, Georgia kid. <laughs> and then Nick Muse, of course, was from North Carolina, and those guys are the ones that got drafted. So, you know, I wanted to kind of talk about state representation there and kind of give you a little update um, on the in-state kids from 2022 and then talk about uh, Xavier Hardy and uh, this group from Georgia, which looks awfully, awfully impressive uh, at this point. I talk many times about tears. Uh, you know, you, you, when you recruit Georgia right now, and really always, guys, it's not, you know, Georgia's not, University of Georgia's always going to have like a, you know, a, a deal where they're in the mix and, and normally the overwhelming favor for anybody that's really elite in that state. Alabama beats some little kids sometimes, Clemson does sometimes, uh, and I've seen Auburn do it before. Uh, maybe in Ohio State or somebody on the Atlanta kid that just doesn't want to stay in state. But by and large, you know, they're always humming right along. But there's too many players in the state for them to realistically get them all, you know. <laughs> and and it's never – although I think that the, the, the state gets ranked a lot of times it has for 20 years uh, according to what Georgia's offer board is. I don't think reality always plays out that way. It does a lot, you know, don't get me wrong. Georgia, University of Georgia, (laughs) put how many players in the NFL draft last year? I'm not knocking them at all. I'm just saying it's a fact that uh, really with any recruiting ranking, it it rarely turns out exactly like you think it will. And so what you have to do is Georgia's got their 25. They probably sign or uh, probably you do more now, I guess. And they, they probably go out of state for about seven or eight cycles, sometimes more, sometimes less. And then 
you know, that leaves – so that's 15 guys in the state, and, and that state goes 100 and something deep with quality players. Um, it, 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 and it's grown. It, you know, Georgia used to be – you know, it's Florida, Texas, California, and then a lot of times Ohio would be up there, and then maybe then Georgia's like fifth, and then Georgia's fourth now. And and sometimes when you kind of look at numbers of players going to the SEC, Georgia's usually ahead of Florida uh, in that regard. Uh, and I love recruiting Florida too. Don't get me wrong. I'd, if you if you kind of gave me a choice between the two, I'd be a hard choice. Uh, but for the University of South Carolina as close as they are to the state uh, with the history of players that have crossed the border and played at Carolina and done well. Um, you know, it, it's a very, very important state. Really, when you when you drill it down right now, you know, everybody's going to talk about what they're doing in Maryland and D.C., and, and rightfully so, because that's kind of become their North Carolina. And, and you kind of well, – this is exciting about this class because, you know – when things aren't going all that great in the state of North Carolina and your South Carolina, historically, it's kind of like you're kind of scrambling, you know, and, and it's worked sometimes, you know, Spurrier during his era, uh, he'd go roll over to, you know, Alabama in a couple of instances and, and sign three or four good ones like Captain Monterland, Darian Stewart, those guys. Um, they'd also go down to Florida and pick up guys. Uh, they tried in the Northeast, you know, some of those guys didn't pan out for a lot of reasons, but uh they tried up there, uh, and, and then they were able to recruit North Carolina pretty well, too. You know, with Muschamp, I think they continue to be selective in Georgia and in-state. And You know, they, they would go take a flyer on a guy here or there, uh, but primarily stay there. And they did get guys out of North Carolina. They, You know, you look at the whole uh, three of the five starting offensive linemen from North Carolina, and if Sherrod Green starts at linebacker, there's another North Carolinian on the uh, starting starting lineup. They they got guys. It just wasn't, you know, they didn't do sort of what Steve Spurrier did where you got your Chris Culliver, Wesley Saunders, Travian Robertson, Melvin Ingram, all I think in the same class. Um, so, and, and we've seen over the years that that's kind of the formula here uh, is if you get top guys out of South Carolina, North Carolina, you, you do your work in Florida and all that. You know, you get it. So, so there's no. So, so North Carolina hadn't been good this year, and and hadn't been uh, really good, you know, for a while for the Gamecocks. Um, and, and so people are going to talk about what they're doing in Maryland and, and DC, where, you know, right now you got uh, Babalade, Big Tree. Uh, you got Xavier Hand or Xavier Xavier Handy, <laughs> Zabari Sandy. Uh, Zabari Sandy and Xavier Hardy are going to – it's going to kill me. I'm going to get confused a lot. Uh, he was the first commitment big safety out of D.C. Uh, and then you look and you got Desmond Yu, the defensive end, uh, committing in a week, a week from today. Gamecocks are looking pretty good with him right now. Uh, so that would be three. And then, you know, you, you take your shot at Nick Harbor, and hopefully it's four. Uh but that's good. That's a that's a good class uh, out of North Carolina. You know, if if you if you were the Gamecocks in, in certain years, uh, and so everybody's going to talk about that, and rightfully so, uh, because that kind of replaces something that you know historically you needed. Uh, and then, but the, you know, this class out of Georgia, I think that's uh, it, it's really something people need to pay attention to. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, like I said, seven guys, three, four stars. I mean, that's pretty solid. Uh, pretty solid.
Uh, and that's not even to mention that, uh, you know, from Florida, you got a big four-star linebacker. You lost one of them. But you got a four-star linebacker and a four-star receiver out of Florida. So, uh, you know, that's five guys, four stars or higher, out of uh, the states of Florida and Georgia. And you combine it now. Now, let's say they get uh, they get uh, Desmond. So that's Desmond U. That's three more four-stars or higher out of Maryland, D.C. So that's eight out-of-state four-star or higher prospects. Now, they're all kind of in that 90 to 92 range, but, heck, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. And then, you know, and you guys know me. I've preached a lot how, you know, a high three could be just the same as a low four, and I, and I stand by that. You know, I think, like, J-Line Kilgore is probably going to end up being really good, <laughs> and we'll just leave it at that. Uh, but the Gamecocks now have the 16th-ranked recruiting class in America with Hardy coming on board. Um that's pretty doggone good right there at the top 15. I think, you know, there's some, still some guys out there they could get. Uh, I think right now, though, you have to be pleased not only with recruiting, uh, but, you know, when the, when you look at the early returns for the 2022 class, particularly in state, that's something to kind of be excited about as well. All right, we got a big show today. Coming up uh, with Phil and myself, uh, we got um, – John Little on to talk about baseball and football and whatever else you want to talk about. Uh, also going to continue to break down recruiting, uh, kind of maybe put a bow on that and start getting ready for the season, man. You know, next Monday, we're going to be talking to you and it'll be game week. JC Sherbert, Morning Monologue, presented exclusively by Carolina Rise. Signing off. See you guys. 11 a.m. We'll be streaming on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, Inside the Game Pass, the show. Very excited about that. All right. Hope you have a wonderful morning.